You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassfin Securities in Johannesburg. David, I wanted to ask you about Halloween. You, you're a bit of a US-centric, <laughs> yeah. sort of, almost an mm. honorary American, and you love America, mm-hmm. and in many ways you're absolutely right. But this whole Halloween thing, have you ever been there when it's Halloween? Yes, oh yeah, and they take it seriously. I know. And they have parties. Look, the rest of the world has adopted it in a kind of half-hearted way. I think the kids enjoy dressing up and that. But uh, in America, uh, all the streets, every house decorates itself. You know, you get decorations. And uh, um, certainly my daughter in Boston, I mean, she went all out um, with the decorations. But when we were in New York... Yeah. Um, there was one street well known in, in New York, whether it, I'm trying to remember, somewhere in the 70s or something, the whole street is closed out. And that, that, um, the street is closed out and the, and, uh, that it's, it's known for the decoration. You live in that place, you participate. Right. And it's just wonderful to take the kids there, you know, because it's a safe zone. The cops are there in each corner making sure that everything. So it's a big celebration. But my grandchildren who are in this, you know, my granddaughter's 16, my grandson's nearly 15, uh, big parties around, you know. Everybody came around for the weekend and uh, they let go. So it's it's it's, it's just a, another excuse to have fun. Yeah, it is. But it, it's very interesting that you say that the rest of the world has sort of half-heartedly adopted it as a holiday. Yeah. And it, it annoys me somewhat because I remember when mm. I stupidly answered, I didn't know it was Halloween, and I stupidly answered the door It was many years ago. And there's uh, yeah. a, a group of little kids there, and they wanted sweets. And I had some sweets, but I said, okay. And this was in South Africa. I said, what is Halloween? And the little girl who was the spokesperson, she must have been about eight, said, it's when you knock on doors and people give you sweets or you play a trick on them. I said, okay, that's a good, that's a good start. But what is Halloween? And she said, well, I just told you. And I said, okay, what is Christmas? And she said, that's, um, that's Jesus Christ's birthday. I said, okay, that's a good answer. Uh, it's not the whole story, but that's a good answer. But you don't know what Halloween is, do you? And then she repeated her answer. And I thought, no. you know what? Go away and come back later when you know what Halloween is, because I'm not just no. giving you something no. because you think it's when you knock on people's doors and you get given, given stuff. You've got to know about these things. And I know I'm an old a curmudgeon when it comes to that sort of thing, but I do believe it. <laughs> no one in England or, or South Africa knows what Halloween is, uh-huh. I don't think. No, no, no. It, it, was it a Spanish holiday or a Spanish? Uh, it's Mexican, I think, wasn't uh, it? Mexican, yeah, Mexican, yeah. So, yeah. All Hallows Eve, all Hallows Eve, and I still don't know myself, and quite honestly, I don't want to. I'm very, very happy. But America's a very, it's it's interesting that America is such a different place. They've got American football, they've got baseball, which is played, uh, baseball is played in Japan and Cuba, Mm. uh, but uh, it's based in the United States. You've got American football, which is is very exclusively Mm. American with a few spin offs, and there's a few American teams with expats and everything. And then you have Halloween and Thanksgiving. America, in a mm. way, is an island in, in, in certain respects, don't you find, yes. culturally? Yeah. yeah, totally. You know, they Thanksgiving, I mean, uh, there was a Pilgrim Fathers, you know. Um, there was a certain amount of religion around it. Yes. Um, but today it's adopted as a family day. I mean, everybody celebrates it. Everybody mm. goes home for 
Thanksgiving and uh, they have the traditional dinners, which is midway through the afternoon with turkey and so on. You know, I mean, I don't know how many millions of turkeys are killed. But again, if, if, if you think about the origins, it was the Quakers, I think, that introduced it. But it's an accepted um, – everybody, everybody goes home for, for Thanksgiving. So um, whether you're religious or not, mm. whether you're Catholic, whether you're Hindu, Muslim, Jewish, whatever it is, everybody celebra- um, celebrates Halloween, <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yes. And I don't know, you know, just whatever. Much bigger and, than Christmas. Ha- much, 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 much bigger. Mm. I don't I, – you know, it, it's funny that I've been in uh, somehow Chris- – uh, this is our very dangerous – I'm on very dangerous ground. Okay. But when we used to walk through um, – you know, when you used to celebrate, certainly in my youth, or not even a few you know, years ago, there was a lot more energy put into Christmas. Yes. Um, you know, and now all you do is you get annoyed by Boney – what's it, Boney? Boney M. <laughs> what is his name? Boney M, yeah. you know. By the rivers of Babylon. Yeah. It goes, That's yeah, right. and it goes on and on and on. It's just annoying. And, and, and even so, I think it's done well. This is a record we're going to play. But I don't find the same kind of enthusiasm, as you say. For uh, you know, for for that for that whole period is uh, maybe Thanksgiving and Black Friday and all those things at the moment. <laughs> so there's been a shift. There's been a shift, no doubt. Big shift. You know, I'm just an observer. I'm not. I'm not making. I, you know. You know what I mean. I'm not making any kind of uh, judgment um, opinions. I'm just saying. Hold judgment. Yeah. Mm. I'm saying hold on. See, this is. You know, this is different. Things have changed. They really so, have. I was watching mm. an interview with the with the, the the CEO of Mars, the confectionery company on CNN about an hour ago, and he says that this time of year we just sell out. I mean, we've got these huge factories, but we sell out of, of, of things like these giant bags of M and M's and and things mm. like that. And he mm. says this is like the Super Bowl and uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. All rolled into one. He says Halloween is the best time of year for us. They go berserk. Mm. Oh, oh yes, oh yes. You have to stock up. I mean, it's uh, that I've seen, and I've been there for Halloween. In fact, uh, I was there five years ago because I was I ran the New York Marathon five years ago. So we we arrived just on Halloween. You know, I um, generally I'm not there at that that time. But you have no idea the amount of sweets that are bought. You know, you, I mean, you just have no idea. And uh, the kids accumulate these massive bags. And that's odd because, I mean, families today are so conscious of feeding their kids sugar, you know, because they bounce off the walls. So it's, oh, geez, you've never seen a thunder like this. If, if, I, if I, wait, it's coming. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. What was that? I just, no, it was very soft. I thought it would be much wrong. I just saw thunder coming through our window here and everything. I thought I was going to get blown away. At the end of the day, it was just a murmur. <laughs> but <laughs> lightning struck. Okay, well, thanks very much for the Sorry. weather report, David. Maybe we can talk about the markets now because I've led you astray as no, usual. No. Why is, um, let's have a look at the, the, the market today. Mm, mm, mm. Why is Nespers and Process? Why are they both up so much? What's going on there? 
I, I, I'm, I, it's a reaction to the big um, sellout. You know, there was a little bit of a, a bounce in this morning in uh, in Asia. Yeah. But you must also remember the rand's gone from 18 to 18.35 or 18.40. Yes. So there's been a lot of weakness in the rand today, I think, which has just given them that uh, little bit of an extra lift. So um, this morning, Tencent was up about 4 or 5% or something. I see this as a dead cat bounce in that. I'm very cautious of what's happening in China. And um, in, while, you know, if, if you look at where Tencent is, you know, growth that's being projected, it's very tame, very muted. So I, pro- I would probably be switching. You know, and saying, listen, that game's over. Not that the other games are all that exciting, but uh, I'd, I'd prefer to be somewhere else. I'd prefer to be in the U.S. rather than in China Tech. But um, it is a good day for process and aspects. But remember, on Friday, it took us down, I don't know, 5 or 6%. So we're getting this volatility. But um, I'm battling in my mind to understand what's going to happen to process and aspects. You know, it's still very much the company that's, dictated by where um, Tencent goes, and even that is, is, is difficult to forecast. You know, there's, uh, it's going to take some time before the Politburo decides to tell us what they're going to do and how they're going to direct China, but I can't see much upside for these kind of businesses, you know, in, and, in um, areas and, and, they want to expand, you know. And, and David, the... Um uh, the whole story with geopolitics in Taiwan, which at some stage yeah. is going to is going yeah. to flare up, yeah. and even if yeah. it, it doesn't affect ten cents business, the fact is it will affect the psyche of ten cent investors, and therefore, of course, the knock on effect to the JSC Securities Exchange. It's a lot of risk there, isn't there? That, that you you've summed it up exactly. It's 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 psychology. It's not the underlying business which will remain steady, and the Chinese uh, will continue to use uh, the apps that come from Tencent. But it's it's how far the company can expand. It's all at the mercy of Mr. Xi. You know, there's uh, mm. I don't think they're going to have the freedom that they had, and that you know we thought they'd have, and that's the reasons that we went into it. So I think it's going to be a rough ride for Nasdaq and Process, and I know they're buying back their shares, but at, at the end of the day, it's 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 just money that's revolving, you know, from uh, from one to the other. I, I don't know whether the whole exercise has been worth it. You know, there was a short term a gap was created, I mean, it was closed, but I think it's opened up again. So I, I, for me, it's a big theme, Lindsay. This this whole standoff between the the U.S. and um, and China. I think it's a massive theme that's going to unfold. I don't know whether it's going to get ugly, you know, ugly in the sense of of uh, muds, you know, anything more than mudslinging. But mm. um, for choice, I think that that there's going to be a huge huge pressure on on the U.S. you know to combat where China's going and and try and I don't not not compete but keep their edge. Uh, in in technology, there there's some areas I think maybe where China has got the edge, but I mean overall there's some. There was an article which which in the Economist this week, which has kind of summed up how I've felt. The beauty about the Economist is that they write beautifully, yes. so I can actually read this article. And say yeah, I'm going to take a bit of this and a little bit of I'm going to put it into their kind of words, but it sums up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's called a du laissez-faire. I do, you know, which is uh, biodynamics, as their briefing is called. And and what they do is they point out 
how Biden, you know, the amount of money that Biden is spending on the U.S. economy, 1.2 trillion in that infrastructure bill. Then there's a massive amount. I can't remember about 200, 300 billion for, um, you know, for the semiconductor and uh, uh, science act. And then the other one, which is the uh, renewables, which is about 400 billion as well. Um, so it, it's it's huge amounts of money that are going to be spent to give them self-sufficiency, if that's the right word. You know, yes. in other words, no reliance on anybody outside of America and and also to give them a competitive edge. This is the space race all over again in technology. So I think it's – for me, it's something I would build my strategy around. No, work's got to be done on it. But I would think that this is going to be – when we come out of this – uh, inflation story, you know, when we when we completed, when they start slowing down, I think the next thing is that America's got to go for growth, and this is going to be the driver. So, it's, uh, you know, I'm giving you the embryo, the very, uh, you know, no, soft I, foundation at the I moment. Understand. Yeah. I understand what you're saying, and you'll always be a fan, and it will always serve you well. I'm sure it served you and your clients well up until now, so why shouldn't it in the future? Just one little last word on China. I don't know if you got this story yeah. in South Africa, but in the Netherlands, they found out that the Chinese had set up their own police stations unofficially, and they called it. They're obviously monitoring their citizens who are um, verbalizing the, their, their dissent um, because they're obviously in Europe and they think they're untouchable, but they're not. They're being monitored. And they set up these, uh, these um, illegal police stations. There's about four or five of them. And uh, they they phone up the chap and say, you've got to come in to renew your visa or something like that. And they interrogate them and they say, you've got to do this, isn't this? And then it emerged that these, these police stations are all over the place. Canada was the first country that said, yeah, we've seen this as well. The Chinese tentacles spread far and wide, David Shapiro. I know. I know. I know. Scary. That scares me. Mm. Yeah, it is scary. You know, there's human rights to be followed like that, not to have freedom of speech is what worries me. And that's why... It's going to hold back any kind of growth. The only area that I'm concerned about, I'm watching more carefully, is on the luxury side. Will they clamp down? Yeah. You know, will will going into Europe or even in China buying an LVMH bag or a Rolex watch or anything like that? You know, will it be frowned upon? You know, are you going to have to? wear those kind of round collars in a Mao Tung jacket, you know, you remember those with a little red hat? Mm. Um, or are they going to just let it go? I don't know how far they'll take it. Uh, for the meantime, I think the view is things will remain, you know, they're not going to, unless it becomes really conspicuous and really outlandish. But, I mean, generally, uh, they probably allow that to happen. That's my, that you know, so we've got to watch that. We've got to watch it very carefully. But I don't, I'm very nervous of what China represents. I'm very, very nervous. And now it's become a dictatorship yeah. even more than it was. Yeah. And going mm. back, yeah. it's essentially regressing uh, from the free market uh, yes. back to an even more controlled economy. Anyways, let's, um, let's leave that alone. Some news from South Africa today. South Africa's Transnet has lifted its force majeure at all port terminals. So commodities starting to flow again. Trade surplus yes. in South Africa has widened to nearly 20 billion in September. Good news. And South Africa's private sector credit extension up to not, around about nine and three quarters percent. So people borrowing money again and corporates borrowing money again. So a few little uh, green shoots there, David. I, in, against that, there's, there's, there is that activity. But I think the one thing that's holding us back, number one, is load shedding. Mm. And it's 
incredibly destructive. I don't, you know, it, it happens, Lindsay. I think, I don't know what stage we are today. We were lucky we never had it over the weekend, but it is a, it is a major issue. And, um, do, do you know what I mean? It's a major issue that's going to be felt by all kinds of business. The other thing is that when I looked at the finance minister's midterm budget, and he said yes. that South Africa can be expected to grow at 1.6% for the next three years. That's no good. That's No, no. You know, that's... That's rubbish. The end, we may have these pockets where things pick up here and there, but that's rubbish. This is a country that needs to get back to what we had at the beginning of the uh, century, you know, the 5% and exactly. thereabouts, which, was, which was, came from the Chinese super cycle. I know that that might be coming to an end or that has come to an end. We don't know what China's going to do. But um, at 1.6%, it's going to be very, very difficult for retailers, for, uh, you know, for banks to, to expand. The only way they can expand is by eating somebody else's lunch. You know, by 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 taking away from smaller businesses, bigger businesses getting better, you know, clumping up um, every everybody around them. So, you know, the chemists, diskims, and 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 clicks will get bigger because they'll bring pharmacies in, and the small pharmacies, you know, the small pharmacies, the city, the small suburban pharmacists will vanish. You know, will lose its business. So that's how they're going to expand. You you know, taking somebody else's market share, but. Overall, um, it's it's it, we're in for a difficult time. Yeah, I've been talking to lots of clever people in the last uh, week or so, and I, I I talk about just review 2022, please, but more importantly, go towards 2023. And it's as almost as though to a man and a woman they have said. The worst is probably over. And I referenced the European inflation that came out over, I think it was on Friday. I mean, Germany at like 11% and France at 10 I can't remember the exact um, numbers, but really, really big inflation numbers. And the ECB doubling its interest rate from 75 basis points to one and a half and goes on. And they said, well, what, what will happen is it'll take a while to get through the system. The inflation will uh, will come back, but it'll take a while for the interest rate rises to get through the system, maybe six to 12 months. But the stock market will discount beyond that. And we think that the worst is over. You don't believe that yet. I, um, in, in South Africa, I think it's a, it's a bigger issue. It's not inflation, it's growth. There is no growth. In fact, we can, that is a bigger story than, than inflation. I think this deep concern about growth as we go into the the midterms in the u.s mm. i think the one thing that's holding the democrats back and what they you know really nervous of is that it's very easy for the opposition to blame them for inflation and to blame them for uh the state of the u.s economy which has fallen you know quite dramatically or is is, is eased or softened yeah. so i think i think they're not the only country i think there's a lot more concern that if these central banks, whether it's uh, Lagarde, Christine Lagarde, or whether it's Jay Powell and that, or you know uh, Bailey, continue to push rates higher and higher, at the end it's going to bring uh, a much deeper recession than than perhaps uh, they expected, and that's going to be hard to get out of. You know, when when you get into a deep recession, recession and uh, suddenly you say, okay, we're going to reduce interest rates, it don't happen. Quickly, it no. takes a long time to get confidence back and uh, people to go out there and borrow and expand because they're nervous. 
you know, they've, they've, they've cut back and they remain very nervous. So you've got to get that balance right. You know, you can address inflation, but you don't want to suck all the oxygen out of uh, a person's lungs or a country's lungs. You know, you want to leave a little bit there. And that's, that to me is the big argument at the moment. And it's, uh, Lindsay, it's becoming a big political issue. Yeah, it is. Um, people uh, acting a little bit too late in certain cases, yeah. and of course, and then maybe overshooting, like a market overshoots to the upside or the downside. Maybe they'll overshoot with interest rates, and then have to reset, yeah. uh, bring it back to normality. It's it's a very difficult year you've got coming up in two thousand two thousand and twenty three. U.S. asset managers, I think. I, it it it. You know, listen, it's never been easy, but I mean, uh, it is difficult, and and you've got to do your homework. That's why when I said, you know, right, we've got to go into this. What's going to what's going to drive 2023? What's going to drive 2024? What are the companies? You know, how difficult is it going to be? I'm, you know, for the first time, and and um, for the first time now, I'm starting to promote. Say, hold on a sec. Let me think. Hmm? I, I'm saying, from South African point of view, you know, if you've got because we manage money both here and abroad. And right. I say, for me, the ideal position, this is my ideal position, is to say, okay, have a couple of, I'm going to use millions if you don't mind. Please I'm not do. Bragging by, you know, I'm not going to say have a few rands. Million is, a million is not what it used to be, David. So use as many a, millions as yeah, you like, please. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying if we were looking at a 10 million portfolio or thereabouts, because it's in tens, you know, or, yeah. or um, and it makes sense, I would say, okay, what about 30% here in RSA stock? I looked at a blend of long dated, and I'm quite comfortable with them. You can get a blend of over 10% yield. Really? You know, that's your clean yield. I say, okay, the 7 million, or, or you can take 4 million of that, you know, going back to the traditional 60 40, and say, okay, I'm happy with 3 or 4 million in local here. Are you talking you about expense. the South African um, fixed income and bond market? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, you, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. All right. And then the 7 million or the 6 million, whichever, you know, if you want 30, 70 or 40, 60, take offshore. Go for growth. Go for quality companies. And uh, in that way, you're protecting your purchasing power. And, um, you know, you're protecting your purchasing power. And, and, you know, you're getting growth, but here you're getting yield. And you're getting pretty decent yield even. It might not be. Uh, it might just cover inflation. But I think for the meantime, and bear in mind, I'm not holding to maturity. You know what I mean? You can of trade course. these bonds. Mm. You know, you can trade them. Uh, that, that's the point. I'm not saying stick like this for 10 years. But I think it's a short term, maybe of one, two years, until we get out of this, until we get greater clarity I'm I'm quite happy to do that. Then down the line, of course, you can shift it, those bonds back into equities. You know, if the growth does come, but uh, I'm not uncomfortable doing that at the moment. You know, just saying, okay, let's let's. Um, it's, I, there's nothing in the local market that grabs me or attracts me. I would rather have a bond giving me ten and a half than maybe APSA giving me four and a half dividend yields or something like that, you know, or a bank. I agree with you. Now, what uh, about, uh, I just want to very quickly talk about Europe. I don't know how much money it, it takes to retire in Europe, but let's say you've got three million euros, okay? Yes. And, you've, and you've, you haven't got a pension or anything like that. You've just got three million euros. 
Is that enough to give you a, a monthly income in order to survive, euros. pay your rent or pay your bond or whatever it is? Three million euros. It's probably not, is it? That's a lot of money. I mean, three in million South euros African terms. In rand is, yes, I know, but we're not in. in, the, in uh, um, I'm specifically, yeah, yeah it's, it's, you know, it's like 55 million rand or something. It's a decent yeah, amount of money. Okay. But yeah. it's three million yeah, in Europe. You should Europe. be able to do okay. There in must Europe, be somebody I mean, that can give you a, a two, three thousand euros a month. Uh, yes, uh, guaranteed, yes. risk-free. Yes. Wouldn't would you not yeah. think with three million euros? Yes, I would. I would sleep with three million euros. Yeah, I okay. think you'll be able to find something. You've got to get a blend. You know, I always, I always, you've got. You see, the thing is that in Europe, it's it's still a socialist uh, country. When I say country, continent, region, you know, still yeah. Mm. region. Yeah, much better. Mm. Uh, in, in the sense that the government looks after you in health and education yeah. and pension. You know, they don't put you on the street. They don't want you to be on street corners begging. So generally that's why there's, there, we haven't got an equity culture there. But I think, I, you know, I, I, you've got to get that blend. You've got to get a blend of going for growth, going for companies that are going to grow as well as um, as well as getting some kind of return, my I tell you what my view is, my attitude is. What do you need? Let what does it cost out of those three million euros to live a year? Let me what think. Does it cost? Yeah. If I rented a house for, mm. let's call it a, a flat rather for with expensive medical expenses and everything in the rent, it would be two and a half thousand euros a month. And that's before you go okay. out and you go out and have so, a, a couple of meals okay. um, occasionally, right. that sort of thing. So two and a half thousand euros for a decent uh, a decent apartment. You've got your medical aid and uh, water and other utilities and stuff. So two and a half and thousand you've got euros. Three million euros. So you've got three million euros. Yeah. No, I'm okay. saying uh, I was just thinking of the okay. comparison I, I between South Africa. I, I wish I had. Yeah, I know. What I would say with that, for a person like that, I would say, what do you need to live? This is what we did. Uh, or have done our approaches. What do you need to live? You know, you need uh, forty thousand. Call it five hundred thousand. Not you know, uh, fifty thousand euros a a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here it is. Go away. <laughs> you know, go away. Leave us with another two two million nine hundred. Or even if it's two hundred thousand euros. Yeah. Go away. Leave us with two. And we would invest that in growth stocks. You know, when I say growth stocks, don't misunderstand that. This is these are not stocks that. Uh, that are reckless, you know, just means that they're decent growth companies still paying dividends, you know, with a bright future and so on. And each year you need the money, we'll give you that, but don't interfere with us. That's it. Yeah, take it, go away, put it in the bank and leave us with a balance. And, and, and I think that, uh, for me, it's a much better, much better policy than trying to eke out um, you know, trying to eke out that, that 40,000, whatever you need, um, you know, whatever you need with, uh, for with the those year. euros. Yeah, I'm putting it in for the year, yeah. Yeah, it's 56,000. Yeah. Because the market will go. The market will go. Mm. You know, these are, these are quality companies. You look at, even in Europe, if you look what's in, in Holland, if you look what's in the luxury companies, if you go to America and look at some of the tech companies and that, you can do it. You know, all you need is, uh, uh, five six percent yield per annum, you know, growth. You'll get that. Hmm. 
Okay, that was uh, that was one thing I was going to ask you. I can't think of the other thing actually. Um, apart from, I need to I need to call out a few commodity prices for you because this will tell you something about the state of the world's economy. Okay, I'm going to get rid of the wheat price, which has been affected by the fact that the Russians are pulling out of that grain export agreement, yeah, which yeah. is brokered by the UN. So they're pulling out of that. So wheat prices have shot up uh, to the tune of just under seven percent. Then you've got. Um, then you've got, uh, whatever you got, you've got heating oil down nearly 7%, and I don't know why that is, but natural gas prices, again, linked to the, the, the conflict in Europe, 9.5% higher today, which is, which is quite big. Uh, but the ones that will really get your ears pricked, Shapiro, iron ore is down at $84 per tonne, yeah. down 5.6% yeah. yeah. today. Yeah. Steel prices down 6.5% yeah. today. Yeah. Copper down 1.7%. Yeah. These are industrial metals yeah. linked to the world's that's, economy. And this is a, this is a sign to me. To the, mm -hmm. That came out of the data from uh, China this morning, which was very soft. Yeah. You know, PMR is falling below. In other words, the outlook for manufacturing is starting to, to soften. Yes. So I think that's, that knocked down, or that kind of knocked our mining markets. Uh, it was cushioned by the RAND, mm. you know, by the weakness in the RAND, but... Um, Lindsay, that's an issue. You know, they've got to come out. I, what, what the Politburo is going to come out will dictate where commodity prices go. You know, are they going to, are they going to, um, you know, start helping the property sector again? Are they going to give loans and then prop it up? We don't know what's going to come out, um, you know, of, of this new government, um, in China. And that, that remains, that's why I'm saying I don't want to be there. You know, I really don't want to be there, but but it will dictate where, where prices go, where commodity prices go. Yeah, it will do. Uh, and maybe it's just a once-off, as you say, with the Chinese data, but um, it, uh, iron ore at um, 84, that's the lowest we've seen it for, mm. for quite a while. Not good not good for Kumba iron ore on the JSE, etc. Okay, let's talk a little bit about football. I need to get my story out the way first before, <laughs> I know you're bursting to tell me about okay. Arsenal 5, Nottingham no, Forest. No, 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 I am as no, well. I'm but interested in your views. Okay, I was watching, um, I watch online um, Ipswich Town. They were playing against Charlton, both oh, yes. used to be quite big teams. Uh, Ipswich Town took 3,200 uh, supporters with them. They packed one end and they're noisy and it's great fun. They go 1-0 up, uh, so it's 1-0 at half-time. And just after half-time, they go 2-0 up. Within 10 minutes, it's 2-2. And it goes into injury time. In other words, it's, it was the 94th minute. There'd been a long injury. And so they were in the 94th minute and it was still 2-2. Ipswich scored a third. I thought, that's it. Game over. Ipswich scored a fourth. I thought, that's it. We're top of the league now. Uh, we've leapfrogged Plymouth Argyle and we're going to be top of the league. In the 99th minute, Charlton scored twice. So it was a four-all draw. I'm still traumatised by this experience. I can't believe it. Four goals no. in injury time. No. That's no good. Moving on to happier I things. That, I can't believe that. Oh, no, I, just, uh, I didn't pick you, that up. I mean... Four-all. I've got to look that up. I've you, got to go. You have to look it up. Check up. I don't think there's ever been four goals scored in injury time before. <laughs> I'm going to look on. I'm going to look on YouTube and get. Oh, it's there, all right. <laughs> watch it and watch it and weep, uh, David. There was one move by Arsenal when they were in full flow on Sunday against Nottingham Forest. Okay, they're the bottom team, but they did beat Liverpool recently. But anyway, not uh, Arsenal. I think they strung together like 37 or 38 passes, and I know that Mikel Arteta is in influenced by Pep and when mm. Pep introduced the the whole concept of tiki-taka at Barcelona you know passing so the other team can't get the ball and they get frustrated and they get tired and then you go in for the kill 
But this was ticky-tacker on steroids. It was so yeah. fast and so precise. Mm. I thought it was the best football I'd seen this season, actually. Mm. I think Arsenal are fantastic at the moment. They, they, they're playing very... And, and, you know, when uh, Saka went off, yeah. I got a bit... I thought, oh, no, you know, the balance would be broken and don't know who they're going to bring in. You know, Reese Nelson has been there for a long time. Yeah. He's been very persistent, and I'm so pleased that he's shone. Me too. But uh, yeah. I thought it was going to be a difficult time for them. And then second half, they just blew them away. But they, they're so good in the box and they hold the ball and they, they you know, they're good with the ball in the box. And uh, I, I'm, I'm absolutely surprised, you know, at, at the way Arsenal are playing. Are you starting to so, believe now, David? Are you a believer? Well, I, they're still a bit soft. You know, they're still a bit soft. They've shown it in... Uh, in some games, they get tired very easily, and I think I think Arteta's right. You know, say, listen, it's time to grow up. This is this is what happens to you when you play in the big leagues. Do you know what I mean? You either <laughs> just face up to it and play. You know, so he's he's been quite critical of of them of, of being tired and 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 capitulating. Yeah. But uh, this is this is the demands of playing at these levels. You want to go into the Champions League? You want to you want to win a league? You've got to play well, you know, you've got to be fit and you've got to give everything. So um, I hope they can, you know, they can manage it. But I mean, some of the players that have come through, poor old Jesu or, J, you know, um, Gabriel, I mean, yes, he's still yes. brilliant. He is. He's still, and he, you, you, you know, the work that he does, I think, is even though he hasn't scored, I think the work that he does, the work rate he does, and he's defending, creating, holding up the ball. Still a brilliant player, and I think that's made all the difference to the team. Yeah, you know, bringing was, in uh, good players. Yeah, yeah I, I think Arsenal. I don't know how they lost at Manchester United. That's the only defeat of the season so far. It was just an aberration, I think. But you look at Chelsea yeah. getting hammered four-one by Brighton. That's not championship. Uh, uh, that's not a championship uh, uh, I challenging think, team. I think this Potter was a bad move. I did. Uh, I think it's a bad move. I don't think he's. He's a Chelsea manager. I don't know if he's going to last. No. He's brilliant at Brighton, and they're playing lovely soccer, but um, there's nothing in Chelsea that he's done. You know, there's, I, I just looked at it. It was just a ragged team. Yeah, and, uh, and City didn't anyway, look quite Arsenal the same with, without Erling no, Haaland, but no. um, you still yeah. got Kevin De Bruyne, so it's very good. Mm. Anyway, David, thank you very much All for right. your extended time today. Um, enjoy your Halloween. If anyone yeah, knocks at your door, just um, <laughs> turn the TV off and, and, and lie on the sofa so they can't see you. Buildings. They're not even grandchildren here. They're old people here. They've gone to sleep at 7 o'clock, including me at half past 7. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I'm on a street and there's a very prominent bell, so I'm, I'm, I'm going upstairs, turning all the lights off and ignoring these, these little, little creeps. <laughs> <laughs> David Shapiro is okay. from Sassman Securities, and that is Shapiro World. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position, or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.